Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Don Butera. We're continuing on in our series, uh, uh, The Unshakable or, or Becoming Unshakable. This is the word for the season. Uh, I'm excited about today's message, and I'm telling you, I am like, I'm excited today. I am doubly excited about next week. God showed me some stuff that I've never saw before. I can't wait to bring that message, but that's for next week. This is this week. And so we're into Unshakable. I want to thank uh, Caleb for last week. Excellent word about posture, about positioning yourself to be in a place where you're unshakable. And, and also, I love, I love what Pastor Herman did in, in, in the Bahasa gathering last week, how he talked about the only thing that is unshakable is Christ Jesus. And so make sure you're standing on the rock. That is the best way to do it. So we're going to continue on in the, uh, in the message. And here's the theme verse. It says, once again, I will not only shake the earth, but I will shake the heavens also. This means, this means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. And since we are receiving a kingdom, we're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him. We just talked about that uh, with him and holy fear and awe. And as we looked in this chapter, it starts out by encouraging. It says this is all an encouraging word. And it talks about how God wants to discipline us. He wants to train us. He wants to mold us and make us uh, and stand upon Christ in a place where we are unshakable. He does this because he loves us. He does this because he wants to, he sees greatness in us. He knows there's greatness in you. Let him discipline you. Let him train you. Let him pull out of you the very things he put in you. And then people will see, see the great, fearful, and wonderful thing that he made. And that he has called us to display his glory. We have to be unshakable in a place to display his glory. Now, we're going to talk about, um, uh, we're going to concentrate on Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 through 17. And I really want to read that for you right now. It says, so take a new grip. Take a new grip with your tired hands. Are you tired? Take a new grip. Grab it more. Uh, Ephesians says, when you've done all that there is to stand, stand firm. Take a new grip. It's time that we stand firm. Strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Now, listen what he says. Why? So that those who are weak and lame will not fall and become, and, and, but become strong. And so our unshakableness, when we begin to take a firm grip and strengthen our feeble knees, when we let God train us, we are mapping out a path for those who are weaker than us, those who need help. You know how Jesus, uh, how John the Baptist said, you know, make straight the path, level the ground, make the crooked road straight, make the, the valleys high. Why? To clear a path so that people can see the Lord. When you are unshakable, people will see the Lord. It says, and then he gives this instruction. He says, Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living holy lives. For those who are not holy will not see God. Or to, if you're holy, you will see God. 
Look after each other. Look after each other so that none of you falls or fails to receive the grace of God. I like the other version. It says, actually, it says, uh, look after, or so look out for those who, and, and help them to keep from falling from grace. I love that. And watch out for that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. It will corrupt many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, uh, who traded his birthright as, a, as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterwards, when Esau wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected, and it was too late for repentance, even though he begged for it with tears. I'm going to talk about that. That's a really deep verse. And so let's get into it. I just want to, we already talked about strengthening. And in this passage, there are basically three, or I'll probably talk about four action words or attitudes or things that will promote discipline in your life and that will make you unshakable. So I want to share these four action words or these four action words. It's funny. They're not passive. They're all active words. It means that we have to like step out. We have to move. Action words always are moving. And so the first one is work. That's the first word we see, work. Now, there's often times that we come to this kind of conclusion in our lives that like because we don't have to do anything to receive, there's, there's, like no, there's nothing we can do to receive salvation other than just receive it. We don't have to work for it. Praise God that there's nothing that we have to do. Oh, no, 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 no. Once we stand in Christ, once we're in Christ, now we can move out in power and we can actually work for the kingdom of God. And this is the first thing. It's interesting when he's, now we're talking about getting yourself in a place that is unshakable. And notice one of the first things that he talks about in in, in, in the idea of working, he says what? Work for peace. Now that word work means this, to make every effort or to pursue, or I love this, this definition, to hunt it down. Hunt down peace with others. Woo! Hunt down peace with others. Not just like, you know, like hoping or wishing. It, hunting down means like you look. You're always looking, looking, looking. You're looking for signs. You're looking for ways. You're looking for opportunities. You're trying to find paths of peace with people. And it's active. We must work at it. And so, you know, I I, want to just give you some advice here. You want to work for peace? Here's one. Woo! Here's one. And I learned this uh, from, uh, uh, I believe it was Peter Tanji actually said it. I like what he said. He said this. He said, I oftentimes stop and I will go to my family, I'll go to my wife, I'll go to my, uh, those who w- work on staff with me, I'll go to my friends and I'll say this, I'll ask them a question. How can I be a better, a better, a better father? So he goes to his children, how can I be a better father? How, he goes to his wife, how can I be a better husband? He goes to his friends, how can I be a better friend? He goes to those he works with and and those who work on his staff. How can I be a better boss? How can I be a better worker? 
That's a scary question. But he actually listens to the answer. And then when someone gives him, hey, this is how you can be better, he works towards it. So go to someone, you know, and say, hey, maybe you, maybe you have lack of peace with them. How can we be better at being at peace with one another? I'm not saying we always have to be like close friends to one another, but be at peace. And here's why uh, this will help you in being unshakable. When your relationships are not secure, when your relationships are at odds, there's a lot of shakable things. When you come home and you're not in a good place with your wife or you're not in a good place with your husband, huh, not a whole lot of you know, firm foundation there. A lot of shaking going on. When your kids, and, and your, or as, as, as kids, your parents, when you're not at a place of peace. Oh, here's one, young people. How can I be a better son or daughter? Ooh. Let me tell you, if you ask your parents that, if they love you and they're not too pushy, they will love that question. If my kids came to me and said, how can I be a better child? My heart would melt. I'm like, ooh, right now you're already one. Now I just, and then, by the way, parents, don't pile it on when they do that. Don't pile it on, okay? Second thing is, you know, you want to secure peace. One of the ways you can secure peace is through acts of kindness and goodness towards others. Even to those maybe that you hurt. Sometimes, you know, I, I can't tell you. I remember this one person. I'm telling you, I hurt them. I did something wrong to them. I apologized at least six or seven times. I don't care. I want to work towards peace. And then I would make sure that I did acts of kindness to them to try to make up for that which I did wrong for. You know? And so I would do things. I would make sure I'd go out of my way. I'd, I'd, you know, I'd make sure that I got them a cup of coffee or something like that when I got coffee. I would send them you know, a, a gift at the house and just say, hey, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Stuff like that. Work towards peace. That's what it says. And then it says, and then, then the last thing is, it says work towards holiness. Work towards holiness. I got this picture this morning when I was in prayer that, you know, the, in, 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 um, in Hebrews 12, 1, it says, uh, fix your eyes. Or it says, you know, it says focus. It doesn't say, on, not on verse 2. Focus your eyes on the author and finisher of the faith. So he's like at the end. He's like at the end of your race. Because it says, we're going to run with endurance. He's your race, right? And then in front of you, why are you like doing all these, like, things that are not holy. It's like putting stones in your path trying to run the race. And so you're running hard. And, and in, 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 the, in the New Living Translation, it says, and throw off the sin that so easily trips us up. And so like we're running hard. We're looking at Jesus. We're running hard. And then we do something wrong. It's like throwing a stone in our path. And boom, boom we stumble. So we need to clear the path. Sanctify is the word. Sanctify your life. Sanctify your life. The Bible says if you sanctify your life, you will become holy. And in that holiness, you'll see God. Second word he uses, he says, I love this because first he talks about work, right? And the second thing he says, look after each other. Menjaga each other. Look after each other. Now, Church people, sometimes we don't do it the right way. 
We're looking after your sinning, you're sinning, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. That's not what he's talking about. Matter of fact, he's talking about something so beautiful because he gets talking about work, right? And then he comes back, he says, watch out for each other so that, you, that, that people do not fall from grace. What is he talking about? He's actually talking about watching to make sure that people around you are not falling back into law and religion. That's what he's talking about. Because he says it, the other place he uses the same phrase is in Galatians. And he says, you know, that you're going to, don't, don't fall from grace. How can you fall from grace? Meaning you received it all. You have a relationship with God. Don't go back to the law. So when you see your brothers, you're watching out to see if, hey, bro, bro, you don't have to work to get acceptance to God. He already has accepted you so you can work hard and he's already pleased with you. That's what he's talking about. When you see people get caught up into all the do's and don'ts of the law, he's saying, watch out for that. Help each other to stay in grace. Woo! I love this verse. And I notice how he balances it because we're always doing that. We have to work hard, but in our working hard, we have to make sure that we don't think that that work is something that gets us acceptance to God. Right away, we just turned it into religion. And so, so what he's saying is work hard, be diligent, strengthen the hands, strengthen the knees, you know, be, get disciplined, get trained. But remember, it's all grace. It's all grace. What a beautiful, beautiful thought in this, in this idea. Make sure that we're not moving, not moving towards religion. We're moving in grace at all times. I love that. The third thing he says here is he says, root out all bitterness. As soon as I say it, I know that many of you, as soon as I say it, will actually think of the place that, of the person that you're bitter towards or the thing that you're bitter towards. Sometimes it's not a person. Sometimes it's something that has happened and you don't believe that, that, that God, like you, you deserve it. And in so doing, you focus on this thing. And here's what happens. It's really sad because when we are bitter, we miss all that God has for us in, in, in all other areas. We miss it. So like we can't enjoy the joy that comes today because we keep saying, God, yesterday, why'd you do that to me? Or maybe you struggle with even, even, even some of you young people, probably some of you struggle with appearance. God, why do I look like this? You see, you're actually bitter. That's actually bitterness. You're bitter. You know, I pray this actually for my, my granddaughter because I mean, we know, like she doesn't know what she went through when she went through open heart surgery. You know, I have a friend, another friend who, you know, uh, who, who, ha who has a heart scar. He has a scar, you know? And, and like, so she's, she has a scar all the way down here. She's so little, she doesn't even know. But I, I pray, God, when she gets older, don't let her look at that scar as, why do I have a scar? Why do I look ugly? Because I have a scar. Because that scar is so beautiful. Trust me, the way God made you, he made you a certain way. I'm bitter because I don't have this type of personality. I'm bitter because I don't have this. Or I'm... All of those that God made you 
the way he made you. But if you stay bitter, you're going to miss all the things that God is doing for you along the way. And then it says that bitterness is going to like, uh, I want to use the word permeate. You might not know that word. Uh, it's not a common Indonesian word, English word. It means it, it, it like, you know how roots work, right? Roots start out one root. You know, I have a plant outside. I have a plant outside and it was in a pot, right? And it's got like some roots, right? What I didn't know is all of a sudden the, the pot actually broke at the bottom and the root went down past the pot into the ground, one root. Now, I can't even get that thing out. Why? Because it, it, it starts out one root and then it goes like this. And that's why he's saying get rid of the root of bitterness because one root starts in your heart. And what happens? It starts just like going out in like fibers and it's all over your heart. And then pretty soon you can't see anything but that which you're bitter for. And so root out all bitterness. Best way to root out all bitterness? Just start thanking God for everything that you have. Thanking God for everything. See, some of you, when I say that, right away you think of the bitterness and you're like, you can't even think of one thing you're thankful for because all you can think of is the bitter thing. See how much? If that's you right now, you really need to begin to start looking around and start worshiping God to a place where you are just so thankful for the love of God, so thankful for the things of God, so thankful for the air that you breathe. Trust me, there are some people that would love your lungs, some people who struggle. My father, who has emphysema, he would love your lungs right now. He would thank God for your lungs because he has trouble breathing. See, you, you, you have so much to be thankful for. You just need to realize and stop looking and allowing that bitterness to get all the way through. Now, the last thing. Um, uh, okay, I'll just go to the last thing because I have another part, but I'll skip that. Freebie, I won't give it to you. Okay, last thought. It says here, make sure. So it says work for peace, right? It says work for peace. Get out all the rooted, all the bitterness out of there. Sanctify yourself. Work for holiness. All of these things are things that are made to, tra uh, to train you, to discipline you so that you become unshakable. Root out all that bitterness and you will become unshakable because trust me, when you're bitter, you'll, when, the work, when, the, when the world shakes, you'll start shaking with it. You'll start shaking with it. And the last thing, oh, and then make sure people don't fall into religion. Don't fall into religion. Stay in grace. That will make you unshakable. And then finally, make sure. It says make sure. That's the words. Make sure. What does it say? Make sure that no, un no immoral or ungodliness is in your life. Now, when you think immoral and ungodliness, I... I this is why the Bible always gets me because like, okay, here I am writing the Bible. Make sure no moral or ungodliness uh, is in you. And then what example would I use? Oh, trust me, I would not go to Isa. But he goes to Isa. Why? Because he's bringing something up really important. He's saying, he's saying, don't be like Isa. I want to read it exactly. Who traded his birthright as a firstborn for a single meal. 
who traded his birthright for a single meal. It's godless. I want to read it right. It's godless to give away your birthrights for immediate gratification. It's godless to give away your inheritance of what God has given you for momentary pleasure. That's what he's saying is godless and immoral. So God has given us this amazing, amazing inheritance. He's given us such an amazing inheritance. It's like he's given you something of such great value. And we give it away for a momentary pleasure. Trading godly promises for momentary satisfaction. What are areas that we do this in? I'll give you one. Revenge. Momentary satisfaction for something that God said he would take care of, a promise. And so we exact revenge. We take away the very love and beauty that God has given us, the very uh, gift of forgiveness that lays within us. We take it away. We trade it for momentary uh, pleasure of revenge. Now, here's one. Buying something with a credit card. It's a great example. Because you, you realize what you did. You, you, God has given you a bunch of time in the future. He's given you all this time in the future. And when you buy something with a credit card, what you're doing is you're trading away the time in your future. Because you don't have it yet. Because a credit card, you don't have the money. You don't have it. God hasn't given it to you yet. Right? And so what you're saying is, I will trade the, the time in my future for a momentary pleasure now. And what happens to many of us who have credit cards? Raise your hand quietly, unless there's a, you're with a watch group. Yes, pastor, I'm in debt, credit card debt. And now you're bound. You traded your future, your future destiny for something now. See, if you have a debit card, you walk up, you already got it, boom, 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 you pay for it, right? You didn't trade anything. Matter of fact, you already had it. And so you didn't trade anything. You, you, you had it, so it's not, you, you already work for it. You already got it. And many of us have traded away our futures with, with credit cards and loans and debt, and then we're in bondage. And though we cry in repentance later, oh God, I'm so sorry that I went and spent all this money on whatever, with my credit card, you cry out to God, but you cry for repentance, you still have to pay. It's exactly what he's talking about. He's basically saying that is ungodly. You need to be very careful with that. So careful with that because the world wants to put you into bondage. You know? You know, I hate referencing this, yeah, that thing, this thing. That's all I'm going to give it. That's the best you're getting today. I'm not giving you any name. You get no name. Some of us are able to live through it without a whole lot of difficulty. Why? 
because we didn't give away our inheritance early. And so we don't have all these bills now. We didn't live a certain lifestyle, and that's what was going on. Here he was. He had a precious birthright. It was like, we're talking like a lot of money, tons of money. He gave it all, but it's all future after his father dies, right? He gave it all away for some momentary pleasure. Later, when he asked for it, he couldn't get it. That's what's happening. If you're in that place, we can get you out of that place. You can get out of that place. We can help you. We can help you get out of bondage. But you have to work. Not work physically. I mean, yeah. But I'm saying there's going to be decisions that you have to make. You know, I, I, I have a bit of time. I had a friend of mine in America who, um, I don't know if you've ever seen those shows where like, you do this like makeover, like a house makeover or whatever. He, we would get calls for help. Right, and he said, "Pastor, I want to be on. I want to be on that. I want to lead that committee." I'm like, "Cool." And he had a budget. They didn't know what budget he had. He had a budget, and uh, he would get, we'd get a call. Hey, uh, Pastor, you know my family's in trouble. We we have uh, uh, you know uh, money problem or whatever. And I'd call my friend. His name was Bill. I said, "Bill, someone has a problem." He goes, "Okay." He would go visit them. He would literally go visit their home. And then he'd sit down with them and he'd say, okay, show me your finances. Show me your situation. Show me all your bills. Show me all your everything. All right? and he'd walk through the whole thing. Right? And he would go home and he'd analyze it all because he was very good. Right? He'd come back with them. He said, okay, I can get you completely out of debt in one year if you do what I say. Really? In one year, I could be out of debt. Yes, you could be out of debt. Now, what they didn't know is he's willing to pay later and help them out, but he wanted to see if they were really willing to get out of debt. And he was, they were like, really? Okay, he goes, okay, so the first thing is you need to get rid of your cable. Second thing you need, you gotta get rid of, the, you gotta get rid of your internet bill. Uh, this phone, get rid of that. They're like, what, 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 what? You know how many people said no to his offer? Why? Because what are you saying is now, momentarily, you got to go through some difficulty. Later, you'll be free. Now, there was some people that said yes to what he did. And then he went through all the stuff, and then he made sure he gave them some help in some areas. In one year, they're totally debt-free. They're living a whole new life, and they learn their lesson. And now they know they don't just go buy, 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 buy without the money. See, they learned how to handle it. It's called deferred gratification. Yes, in this culture, we need to learn it. I don't have what my friend has. Okay, so what? Look at what you have. Work to what you have. And some of your friends live in debt. And right now, during this time, when they can't, their business doesn't run, they're in trouble. To be very careful with that. Don't give away. So that's money. Second thing, eating. Yeah, I know. We all have it. We, 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 we go for momentary pleasure because we're not feeling good, right? And we, we eat, right? And we're giving away our health over what? A momentary pleasure of our tongue. Sexual sin, same thing. We give away. What God, precious holiness God gave us, uh, has given us, give it away for a momentary pleasure. 
This is what he's talking about as godless. And that's why we shake. Because we're in these places and we continue. And we continue to give away the precious gifts that God has given us for momentary earthly things. God wants us to get rid of those, to stop those things. And when we do, we will be unshakable. We will not only be unshakable, we'll be what that verse said. We will have strength in our knees. We will strengthen our grip and we'll be able to help others. If you're in a place where you can't help others, it's probably because some of it is because now you've, you're shaken. If that makes any sense at all. Finally, last one, last little one, gossip. Gossip is a momentary pleasure and you're hurting so many people. I got to say that. I just, I've got to say this. You give it away. And then later, what are you trying to do? You're trying, you know, then that person finds out and you hurt that person and you offend that person. And now you're begging for forgiveness and they won't give it to you. Now that's their problem, but you understand. We give away things. We don't have to. God gave us power with the tongue. We can handle it. And so when we try to repent, you know, we, we, we can't get it. So I'm going to stop here. My time is up. But I, I want to say this. Let, again, I'm, again, I'm going to go back to this thing that I've been talking about. God will not like train you into submission. He will not discipline you into a place of submission. You have to, it says you have to yield. I love that word. It says, but uh, if you do this, if you yield to his discipline afterwards in verse 12, uh, verse 11, chapter 12, it says, but afterward there will be a peaceful harvest. Ooh, harvest. It means things are growing. If you're planting the, the things that we're talking about, if you're disciplined, if you're training in these ears, you're planting all these seeds and they're all growing. And then pretty soon, what comes up? A harvest of righteousness for those who are trained by it or for those who submit to it. You'll have a harvest of righteousness. I, I, I know I've told this story before. I don't know last time I told it, but I'll just say it here. When I was young... I had, a, um, I had a dream. It was definitely a godly dream. And in this godly dream, uh, all of a sudden I was standing in this field. I was just, I'd just become a Christian. And I was looking at this field. And in this field was all these like weeds and dried fruit that was all rotten. It was just this, I can still see it in my mind today, what it looked like. And then here and there, there, was like, there were like idols all around in this field. And God spoke to me, and it was the Holy Spirit. I know it was. He's, and I was like, that's my life. He's like, I know that's your life right now. That's your life. So that's why you need to start getting trained. You need to start planting seeds of righteousness. Because eventually, this field will change and will become a harvest for not just, not just for yourself, a harvest for all those around you that they can enjoy your field, they'll be able to, you'll have so much of your own, uh, you know, for yourself, and then others will be able to enjoy your field. So he said, get busy. And that's when I began to repent. 
And I begin to change and let the Holy Spirit train me. Even to this day, I'm still letting circumstances and people, God use these things as gifts to train me in righteousness so that I will stand firm and not be moved when the world is shaken. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, there are some people even on, that are listening today that have probably given away some of their birthrights and they're suffering. Lord God, they may not be able to change their circumstance, but they can change their attitude. They can change their actions. They can begin to walk right and you will give them a field of righteousness. I know you will, Lord. Father, I know that there are those, Lord God, that, hallelujah, have fallen into religion. Lord God, I pray that you would bring them back to realize that it's the grace of God. Father, for anyone out there who's bitter, Lord, I pray for anyone who's struggling with bitterness, I pray that they would rip that root out of their heart. They would begin to forgive and get to a place of such thankfulness, Lord God, that that, they wouldn't even have to pull the root out. It would just simply fall out from thankfulness and joy. And Lord God, hallelujah, I pray, Lord Jesus, we would work and pursue and hunt down peace with others. Let God, we would be holy, that we would see your face. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.